Okay, everybody. Well, this is the second of our interviews for the fifth anniversary of the podcast. And I have with me today... Owen? Arlen? Well, Owen. Glory of the Snow? Oh, I play... I'm Owen, and I play Arlen, Glory of the Snow, uh, Red Sunrise, and Nadar. Yes. So a bevy of one, but primarily you play... Primarily I play Arlen. Yes. And uh, anyway, so actually give us a real quick uh, background on Arlen real quick. I don't think we did that with Bryce last time, but why don't you give us a quick little rundown with uh, Arlen. Arlen is a wild magic sorcerer. Um, He grew up on a farm and uh, he got infused with the chaos by a mad mage in the middle of the mare. Um, he and actually, what, what was what was interesting about you giving me that backstory the first time? You thought it was too creepy. Yeah, I kicked it back to you. And said, "Make this a little less uh, Silence of the Lambs, please." Um, but yeah, Arlen is young. He doesn't know what he's doing most of the time, and he is often the butt of the jokes that he doesn't understand. Um, he isn't associated with like higher society so joining um cotter in the first circle was very jarring for him at the beginning um but he likes to fake it till he makes it and is very awkward while doing it and very wholesome while doing it too i try he's the only character we have on the podcast that has a favorite cow you know it helps not being bloodthirsty (laughs) definitely um, anyway, so yeah, Arlen started out this whole thing. Um, we started him out on his family farm, basically being kicked off the farm. Um, you know, there was too many, uh, too many, uh, youth there in the family for them to divide the, the farm up effectively. They wouldn't have enough to uh, support them. Um, and so your dad sent you into low Ford to go and see if you could find a job and you ended up getting a job doing what? Part of the town militia. Yes. So, yeah, I used the device of the militia forming to get you all together in a group. And uh, you all went out on your first uh, travel there, your first patrol, and ended up fighting a bunch of things, including a bunch of wolves. And in that fight, you ran right up next to one of the wolves and cast a ranged spell, Firebolt, um, which, you know, was perfectly perfect for a sorcerer who didn't know how to use his uh, talents but really dumb as a player because you know the wolf then just jumped up and ripped your throat out and nearly killed you um so so what was happening when you did that did you just make a mistake or you were trying to channel your inner Ireland? um a lot of things uh i was 16 um i hadn't really I was trying to get into that Arlen mindset. I was still trying to figure out exactly how I wanted to play him. Um, And also I tried to get in the mindset of he doesn't know how to use his magic. He doesn't know because it's just unpredictable at this point. Um, Well, it's still unpredictable, but it's very unpredictable at this point. Um, And he, 
I tried, I decided to play it like he was going to be like the rest of the militia people and like go in melee style and use what he knew, which for other people would have been like swords or their fists. And he was like, oh, firebolt. And shepherd's crook. And a shepherd's crook. Yeah. So uh, anyways, that was hilarious. And uh, the uh, cause of a lot of ribbing for you basically for the last five years. Um, And uh, then um, you returned as heroes of the entire town. They sent you off to Waterfall City to be ambassadors. And uh, you ended up getting involved in a bunch of dust-ups there in the city uh, with a bunch of fungal zombies. Um, But uh, the more interesting thing was, after all that settled down, um, then you were able, you were back in the, uh, the inn the next day. And... Uh, you know, I said to the group, and you realize this is the first time you've all been together and had a chance to meet each other or something along those lines. And then everybody just kind of looked at each other and went, nope. And I, I kind of did inventory of, of the backgrounds you'd all given me. And they were all like super secret, mysterious, dark and foreboding backgrounds. Um, yours was like about the least of those super secret, dark and foreboding backgrounds, though. Um, but uh, I don't remember you saying too much, too much there as, as well. But uh, Drew finally drew everybody out um, with, you know, broke the ice there. And uh, so what, what was going through your mind when all of a sudden it's like, eh, it's time for uh, sharing time at the, at the, you know, the uh, sharing circle here. Once again, I still wasn't, I didn't know how I was going to play the character. And also I was still very uncomfortable speaking into a microphone and like being recorded and all of that. Um, and for the most part, what I'd only met Jesse probably that day. Um, I'd only seen Matt and Drew as like mentor figures through the Boy Scouts. Um, and I wasn't really sure how I was going to like explain my character's backstory because I knew Arlen didn't know all of it. Owen knew all of it, but Arlen didn't really know all of it. And he just kind of, I just decided to share the surface level things uh, because A, he wasn't super comfortable with the party yet, and I wasn't comfortable with Arlen yet. You know, and ironically, uh, as dark and mysterious as your background was, it wasn't as dark as everybody else's or as mysterious as everybody else's. Everyone either, either had something to hide or, in the case of uh, Kraval or Gurnval at the time, didn't even know what he was doing. You know, he, yep. he, he was amnesiac. I, I didn't have anything to hide. Um, I just didn't know what was going on at all. Um, which is uh, a common theme amongst these last five years. Yeah, I think that's kind of the the motto of what's been going on. Um, but anyways, um, so y- y'all did get a chance to meet each other, was kind of, which was kind of fun. And then you got sent off to the neighboring barony to, as ambassadors there to try and stop the torque trade. And you met Robin Hood in the forest. And uh, what what did Robin Hood want you to do? What did Llewellyn want you to do? Um... Deposes cousin yeah take take back the take back the seat at um oh my gosh what's this town basically uh ex colbert police he wanted ex- you to go yeah. and, and uh, participate police. in a coup there yes um, well we he didn't phrase it like that yes oh yeah he, he had he had only the best of intentions but that turns yes. out that he didn't have the best of intentions did he nope um which set a precedent of not to trust anybody that you sat upon us. 
Yes, which actually would come back and be uh, fun later on, but we'll get to that in a minute. Which, which was also fun for Arlen because I wanted to at that point I wanted to play him kind of like a overly trusting person. Um, I had just listened to a different podcast where another character off the bat trusted everybody, no questions asked. And I wanted to go along those kinds of lines. Um, but th- further on, we I decided that was not a good idea for Arlen. Um, no questions asked trust, but just like believe in the best intentions in people is how I decided to play that, um, starting with Robin Hood. Yeah. And actually, well, uh, maybe actually let's back up a step. So what was Arlen's impression of the rest of the party? So you have a paladin who, um, you know, appears to be just a penniless wanderer. You have a devilish looking dude. You have a uh, half elven girl who's also a monk who, you know, keeps herself swaddled up and, and uh, so forth. You have a, the only dragonborn you've ever seen. Um, and uh, then you have you. So what was what was Arlen's impression of the rest of the ragtag group that he had been assigned to? I, uh, Arlen, really liked Adri, like the mm-hmm. entire time. Um, he just felt like better, like more comfortable speaking with her and um, being both half elves. And same with, um, oh my gosh, what was his name at the time? Alistair. Oh, Alistair. Alistair. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cotter, Alistair. Um, he he felt better speaking with them um, as more familiar. Arlen did not like no one. Um, Arlen thought he was mean for no reason and uh, would only wanted to get his way, which Arlen also didn't like. Um, and then with Grenval. Um, he appreciated the like more elderly, not elderly, but like more experienced mm-hmm. uh, way he went around choosing things, even though he might be um, insane at times. <laughs> well, that that's jumping ahead to a little ways in the future too, as well. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so um, yeah, you you went and participated in the coup, and it turned out to be that uh, that was all a bunch of uh, a bunch of lies that uh, which I felt very betrayed by. Yeah, well, I think everyone did, and and actually, look, you know, taking a, a jog behind the uh, behind the screen here, uh, basically the way I planned it out, the first whole half of this um, adventure, just bad things were going to happen to you guys. You know, uh, when when you try to participate in something, it would go south on you. People that you knew would die. Uh, conditions just kept getting worse and worse, and this was this was just a, a piece and a part of that. Um, so yeah, be, people people. Uh, being false to you and th- sort of things like that. And, and it wasn't until later on that you actually kind of turned it around and, and uh, made things better. But yeah, so the whole first half, like no matter what you do, it's just going to kind of get worse and worse and worse. So this was just a piece and part of that. Um, but so what was the feeling when you realized that Llewellyn had just been lying to you the whole time and uh, he was just trying to seize power that wasn't his? I was... On the outside, I didn't do anything because um, no one and Grenval kind of took the lead in uh, right after the coup. Um, but I was thinking like I was betrayed. I was disappointed. I wanted to do something, 
but I know it would have been foolish if I had done something because I, at that point, and still I am the weakest of the group. So I, I personally, like, I just had to sit back and um, watch. Yeah. So you, you, you had, you know, being the glass cannon, there's, you know, you do have certain limitations. Um, anyways, so, uh, yeah, you guys uh, were um, given magic items and sent out in the cold and the rain, and you had to go up to the monastery, and it turns out the monastery had been overrun by undead. So that I liked that. Instead, I, had a, I had a good time in the monastery. What was the best part of there? What, what attracted um, you to it? It was the sneakiness. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't any real, looking back, there wasn't any real inherent danger. But Will, I you did that... get knocked down by a fireball. That's we're, we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, as a what we're second level at this point, mm-hmm. um, it was like when we got to the flame skull and we knew we couldn't, or the the people in the main part of the monastery, we knew that we shouldn't take them on, um, and just like picking our battles at that point. I that's why I really like low level characters in those like high stakes settings because we had the very because we've already fought the flame skull so we like we knew that we we couldn't charge in head on because we have some cool stuff in our back pocket we had nothing mm-hmm. and um that's why i really liked the monastery was for that like real feeling yeah yeah the, the edge of your seat thing um but another interesting thing happened in that one um, in the Death from the Shadows episode, you end up, you know, escaping from the the uh, the Flame Skull uh, house and then being attacked by shadows out in the courtyard. And Adri actually used dancing lights to illuminate the shadows so you could find them. And that was like the first inkling that something was uh, up with her character and she wasn't quite what she said she was. Um, did, you know, I think only only Drew caught on to that. Did when did you kind of realize that something was something odd was happening with with Adri's character? When she fell in the water. Okay, so not even till then. Okay. Yeah, and... uh, as a person who's only played casters um, until Chattius, really. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that wasn't even aired. Never mind. Yeah, it was. Um, oh, it was. Okay. Yeah. So it's I didn't. I, the, I enjoyed Extramental Spaces is on our feed. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, I haven't really played. I'm I'm a caster. That's that's what I like to do. Um, so I I don't know. I've always had light, dancing lights, those kinds of things in my back pocket the so, entire time. So I played, it just seemed so normal I, to you then. Yeah. And especially back then, I had absolutely no... I'd, I hadn't even realized that Drow was a playable race. Well, actually, it wasn't at that point in time. Um, Jesse and I actually went and uh, created the half drow race out of out of whole cloth, bef- you know, and, and basically homebrewed it. Uh, well, there we go. Yeah, you know, to to be there, so that added to that that bit of fun. But anyways, you did you did escape from the monastery and uh, had to run back to uh, Waterfall City before um, Alistair and Gurnville died of mummy rot. Um, and then after some other adventures, you ended up being sent off to see the wizard. You actually got to see Galchabar. And I remember you saying when, when you first got in there and he was kind of this giggly old coot, it's like, it's Yoda. 
Yes. And it didn't occur to me then. It's like, actually, yeah, this this guy is Yoda. I mean, he he uh, masquerades as as this uh, goofy person, but actually, yeah, he's a, a serious master behind the scenes. And uh, you you ended up uh, discovering that. Yes. Uh, and uh, what was what was your impression of Galchabar there? I liked him immediately. Um, it was good to see another true caster, um, especially one who's had so many years of experience. Um, and I really was happy that he like I was able to use him as a mentor um, throughout the. Uh, beginning stages and even until now yeah and uh and actually it's, it's been interesting to see because you the whole party relied on him heavily in the yes. beginning part of the adventure and i don't know if you notice it but it's become less and less and less as you've become more powerful yourself so it's it's you've kind of graduated out into the real world yeah now now galchabar comes to see you instead of the other way around <laughs> yes um, but anyway, so you um, had some, uh, he sent you on on the way to the uh, the Oracle of Ubrium Concordia. Uh, and uh, getting there was a bit of a difficulty, though, because you managed to completely screw up the skills check to get out of town and end up getting uh, a, a hard ban from uh, Waterfall City uh, because of that. Um, did you think you'd ever be able to go back to Waterfall City? Um, yes. I knew that we eventually would definitely have to. Um but I didn't know how or when. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously that all came out well later on once you became friends with the rich and powerful people. Um, but anyway, so you made it out to the Oracle. And um, after we got done with that episode, I turned off the recording. And really wish I hadn't because uh, you guys all started debating what the various lines of the, uh, of the poem meant. And it was really fascinating. The the, and it's also kind of fun to see the the wild flights of fancy that you went on. I mean, we were everywhere from the city of brass and the elemental plane of fire to uh, downtown Chicago, I think. Um, and what what was what was your thoughts when you when you had the uh, poem landed in your in your hands? I I was the one who took the written poem, so I, I actually still have the original. Um, piece of paper in mm -hmm. my yeah, you've, been, you've been kind of the keeper of the poem and and actually yeah. it's been great because it's like everyone's like oh and the next one we have to go on a riverboat cruise on the rhine I'm like no here, here no. it is let me read it to you <laughs> um yeah uh i think i had the most abstract um thoughts about the um about the poem i don't know there were some abstract thoughts there but keep no please there keep going. were um in at that time I was like really into like free form poetry and like writing whatever came to mind in whatever order it was. So I, I was like hyper analyzing the every line by line, every word in the line. And I was like, oh, this has to deal with the, I think I was the one who came up with the elemental plane of fire and like how each one could in some way mean the planes and, um, so I was I was way out there. Well, I mean, it turns out you guys weren't right on just about any of them. I think you had a couple of ideas that were r roughly correct, but then some of them, I mean, you basically had no like the ca the castle in the clouds. You had no yeah. idea what that could possibly be. I had so. no idea what some of these things were, 
um, even after this is in the future still, um, even after I looked in the bowl and scried on a Lowell, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I, nope. <laughs> and, and actually it's, it's um, a lot of that was actually by choice um, because it would have been rather dull if, you know, you guys looked in the bowl in episode 19 or whatever it was. And it's like, oh, here's the next six places. And you know where they all are. You know, okay, let's just book tickets to them right now and get it, get yeah. a, a Airbnb right next to it. So, yep. Um, so that was, that was kind of fun. There was a, a air of mystery about it. Um, so, and, and it's been kind of one of the fun parts is unraveling what each of these things means as it goes on. I agree. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, um, like we said, you, you, uh, got your uh, poem from the Oracle. And then it turns out that the whole place was crawling with the undead and, and you came out and found your airship floating away into the sky, half torn to bits and a body falls from it. And what, what was your thoughts when, when that particular thing happened? I was nervous. I was sad. I really liked Danya, even though she didn't like any of us. Um, I think she likes I, them deep down inside where she doesn't even know. Yeah, but Arlen kind of took everything at face value at that mm-hmm. time. Um, so I I was I also felt like bad because we took this smuggler criminal person and like under the table paid her to fly us out to a illegal area and then she dies because of it. Like I, I said, every, everything you do is gonna turn out bad. Yeah. So anyway, um, but then it turned out, you know, you went out to see the body and it was a body of a zombie, not of, of, uh, Donia, but it just floated away and, and left you in there. And then you had to wander through the desert and you end up running into a tortoise that kept leading you in the right direction. Smed, uh, what, what, Smedric, what yeah. Smedric, Smedric lives. Yes. Um, and, uh, so that was, that was kind of a fun Smedric. aside. Uh, uh but SCH. then, but then we ran into your backstory yeah i was not ready for that yeah obviously um, i mean you, I was... you were you were absolutely you know physically shaken when uh, when <laughs> when it popped out there and it, a lot of it was literally just dumb luck i i had written the adventure where you know you guys are going to get stranded in the desert you have to go oasis to oasis to uh get out of there and um then you put your backstory right in the middle of the mare the and i'm like well okay then i guess we're going to run into that there yeah, I was hoping that um, someone else's backstory would get revealed first because I was still not confident in a microphone. I was still uh, very nervous about everything. Um, and so I was I, w- I was hoping for someone to else have to have an example before I, it was me. But um, that didn't happen. Yeah. In in the uh, the combat though that happened where everybody got to use the wild magic table, a lot of the folks are saying that was like the most or the second most favorite combat they've had of the entire time. It was fun. Yeah, it was a little crazy because my it was yeah. They they got to have a fun adventure and I got to live with it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah, your your uh, backstory came out first, but. Uh, that actually brought up some problems later we'll get to in a, in a bit. But uh, then you uh, made it down to the um, Delta, to the old capital. And then 
Adri's not backstory, but her secret was finally revealed. Um, she tumbled into the, the canal and all the makeup she was wearing washed off. And you realize that this wasn't a half elf, but rather a half drow. And uh, then you and Cotter had to be um, panicked by this because you're, you're both half elven. So have been raised by your elven parents that had instilled on you that the, the, the drow were the, the evil part of uh, the elvish race. Um, how, how difficult was that to do? Cause once again, you're like you said, you're 16, not quite confident in your, uh, in your, uh, you know, microphone skills. And, and here we are putting you on the spot, trying to role play something hard. Yeah. Um, Arlen really liked Adri. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, it was really difficult because I think both Bryce and I both didn't want to be hostile, but we both felt like forced to, which is why we tried to like write it immediately after. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to play it off as more of a startle and I, we, we were kind of forced into hostile, um, which is not exactly how I wanted it to go, but um, in the short role play afterwards, we I we basically righted it, mm-hmm. even though it no was one, one of the best role plays of the entire series. There, especially especially Adrian's <laughs> you know? plea to uh, be trusted, like she was trust you know was trusted before. Yeah, so it was it was difficult trying to role play something that I didn't believe in fully, and also. Um, wasn't comfortable with so not leading both uh not wanting to be in that situation and also um not exactly sure what to say was really difficult then but um it turned out all at the end yeah um so but then you worked your way into um the castle and you discovered another thing about adri she can't jump through windows she can't jump through windows she can't jump through windows um, and, uh, but you made it in and found the, uh, the, um, old queen of the first kingdom who had been waiting there a thousand years for you to arrive, uh, sitting in her library in a magic circle, uh, in order to deliver the name of the foe to you. And uh, what, what was your feeling on that, um, you know, kind of strange situation there? The imagery was so good. I loved the entire castle sequence um i've used the floating swords and bugs of smothering multiple times in my own campaigns um <laughs> just to, just to have some fun um well the, the but, fun part was you know they boosted you in through the window first it's like okay let's send in the squishy if he doesn't die we'll come in afterwards mm-hmm. um but i seeing the queen i really um that kind of locked me in that that was the point that i knew that i really wanted to finish this campaign no matter what oh very good um yeah well now here's the fun thing though what were you supposed to do when you found the name of your foe what what, what were you supposed to do you were supposed to scry on the name to try and find him and what did you do I forgot that I had the bowl of scrying. 
<laughs> and when were you reminded of that? About two sessions later. Or three, yeah. When when you went to visit yeah. the elves and they had the moon festival and Galchabar visited you and whacked you on the back of the head. <laughs> so Yeah. Because I was like, clearly they have the name, so there'll be a pop on the bowl out any minute now. Nope. Any any minute now. Any I any forgot minute. I had it. Any minute. Any minute now, any minute. Okay, now I guess I guess are not going to do it. Okay, so uh, yeah, that was that was hilarious. I mean, it was just it was tooth grinding and yet laughable at the same time for me. Uh, but anyway, so then you uh, made your way um, towards the Vale of the Elves, which was the next thing on your on your list, and um, you end up running into Orlana. Well, actually, you ran into two other people that were affected by the Mad Mage. You ran into Aina at the shack, and then you um, got her back home again, and then she blew up and destroyed her whole family. But they were, that, you know, once again, everything you guys do is going to go downhill in the first half of this thing. Yeah, but it was like specifically targeted. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, as I put in my Dungeon Master's notes, Aina was supposed to be Orlana. But I realized um, while we were playing that whole uh, session out that Aina was A, too young, and B, it was too easy for you guys to get her back home again. Uh, And and you guys demonstrated, you just like, okay, let's take a left turn in Albuquerque and we'll just take her home. Yeah. So I realized I'd screwed up there. So you end up running into Orlana on the other side of the Mare, heading for the Elvish um, uh, veil and um, so what what was your feelings about Orlana what what was what uh, what did you think about her um, I thought she was annoying and I thought I was underprepared underprepared for what um, I didn't think that I was a good enough sorcerer to take on an apprentice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I could barely barely control my wild magic at that time um or and i also barely knew what 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 it came from what it could do um and orlana um further proved my point that i didn't know what i was doing (laughs) now what about the fact that she seemed to harbor some feelings for arlen I tried to shut that down real quick, but it didn't work. Well, actually, <laughs> it was just too delicious not to keep poking I at that. I tried to shut that down. That sore spot. It was hilarious. Real I, quick, yes. and it did not work. Yes. It was, well, it was, it was just too delicious not to uh, keep bugging with that. So, uh, But that was, that was a fun thing to do as well. And then Orlana, actually, though, was a big help for me as the dungeon master because that gives me a voice in the party. You know, yes. if, if you guys are totally missing something obvious, Orlana can be like, what about the elephant in the room? You know, what about um, the unicorn in the room? Yes. Um, and uh, but that was that was good. Good bit of fun and a useful tool for me at the same time. But you made it up to the elves. And um, what actually what's your feeling about the elves? I like them. Yeah. Um, as a half elf, um, I kind of had like elf light. Mm-hmm. at home um but um arlen fit right in he yeah, didn't have the super cool skills or anything like that that the natural born elves have but um he it was <laughs> it's outside in nature with plants and also maybe a cow <laughs> uh, so he he felt great 
they filed at home. Yeah, and so you you uh, got there and you end up discovering Aloal's tower, which was sunk into the ground, and you actually end up climbing down the tower. That was really and cool. And what was your feelings about Aloal's tower, the creepy tower of doom? I liked it a lot. Um, I had never, like, I hadn't been introduced to a scenario where a tower could be sunken. Adventurers always climb up towers. They never climb down under the earth into towers that sunk because of a mage war slash curse slash hex. Um, so I just, I really enjoyed it. And he got a cool boost in armor. Yes. Um, although um, it was a happy, happy school, wasn't it? Um, it was. Yeah. And then it very much wasn't. Yeah. So as you went down in the tower, it just kept getting worse and worse. Um, yeah. Arlen felt very uncomfortable. And then you um, made it to the subterranean caverns and you actually got to meet a, lo- a Lowell finally. But he put you through all sorts of tests and trials. But what did those tests and trials turn out to be? Illusions. Yes. So uh, was there any point there where you thought that it might be illusions or it wasn't until all, all was said and done? About halfway through when things weren't quite adding up, um, I kind of put one and one together to make two kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that like, I was like, wait, hmm. in what, have i seen this before i don't know but it's it, um only at the very end did uh i i fully realized that oh this is probably magically influenced i didn't know if it was exactly illusion but i knew that it, like because the, the original subterranean area which was also illusion um i thought was perfectly natural um but at the very end when he tried to trick us into not getting into his arena um at that point it was i something weird was happening so i i had an inkling then good good um anyway but you, you made it out of there okay and you made it over to Kalesquay to uh head back to uh um the great gate there at uh, Porta magnum and you end up running into dania again i was ecstatic because I, Arlen thought he, she died. So seeing her again, I was very excited um, to at least see a f- somewhat familiar face in unknown places. Yeah. And actually there was another familiar face there too, because uh, Alistair is, is uh, in line and the guy in front of him turns around and, and addresses him as Cotter. Wow. And you, you started to Cotter, see her in quotes. Yes. You started seeing. You pronounced it more like Kata. Yeah. We're like Kata. Wait. Yeah. And so after that session, I remember we were all trying to figure out what he said and Bryce was very uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, Cause yeah. Um, Kent, you know, took uh, Alistair's explanation for face value, but then Alistair turns around and like the entire party is just looking at him. And, and I remember Drew saying, you are the worst liar ever. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, uh, although I don't think uh, you you all probably didn't have any idea what the real truth was behind all that. Just that no. uh, something was funny with Alistair's character. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you went out to the Clouded Oasis and um, 
it turns out you're in the dungeon from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep. Uh, with all sorts of traps and fun things like that. And that was a lot of fun for me. I mean, because um, I, I remember when I drew it up, it's like, well, we've got, we've done this. We've done, you know, the tower was basically an old school dungeon crawl. And it's like, how about a dungeon of nothing but traps? That would be fun. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember you, you guys, like you would like jump over one step and land on another step and it would, you know, explode and things like that. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Looking back, the entire Clouded Oasis dungeon was so much fun um during it it was frustrating because it was so many traps back to back to back to back to back but not looking back it was it was great excellent um and it actually had either the first or the second most fun fight of the entire thing depending on how you rate it but the number Obsidian one wall that was so much fun uh bryce and i still talk about it wanting to do it implementing it other places um yeah I I really loved the mirror fight. Um, well, it was really hilarious because you all finally got into the spirit of it and started trying to slay each other, yes. which was which was really fun. Uh, because originally everyone was like in a sandbag, and then uh, Bryce kind of went full hog full hog on it, and, on and me. everybody everybody got into it. <laughs> yes, and uh, then you exited there and found that there was a dragon sitting on your airship, and yeah, so considering you'd fun. been chased around by the uh, black dragon. Uh, that was a little bit alarming. Um, how alarmed were you when, when Donnie came out down and said that there was a dragon sitting on your airship? Very, because the only dragon that Arlen had ever been introduced to, other than Grenval at the time, was the black dragon, which we had already killed two times. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then um, you, uh, you you were able to slip away from Loquox's uh, um grip there and get back to uh, port of magnum and cotter's backstory came out yes and all of a sudden um so what, what did you think when all of a sudden you know the uh cotter cotter's sister shows up and and drags you all back to stately fraser manor uh what, what was your feeling there um massive confusion because a what do you mean he's from a monastery and b what do you mean, first circle? I'm from a farm. <laughs> yeah, you would have no reference there. So, um, but yeah, but it was really nice because that gave you all a um, base of operations, basically. Yes. To, to base out of. So. And also, it, it brought up the iconic line: "I drink the rose water." Yes. Uh, Which is, is was that not the most Arlen thing Arlen has ever done in this campaign? Everybody thought so and still does to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Um anyway. and it also proved um a little bit to Matt and Drew that I was funny at times. <laughs> I don't think they believed that I could be humorous at all, but I think I succeeded. Yes. Um and then a couple of interesting things happened while you were there. One thing, you all solved the mystery of the plague that was affecting Porta Magnum. And um, I remember um, your line especially, because uh, I, had, I had dropped the clue in at the very beginning that um, the poor were more affected than the rich and the poor ate a diet of mainly rye while, you know, the rich read, you know, had, you know, bleached wheat for their bread. And uh, uh, Matt especially thought that that was just a red herring. And then it turned out that um, Cotter's brother, who had died of the plague, had an f- affinity for rye bread. 
And I remember you just saying, it's not a red herring anymore. And that's when you all finally got on the right, uh, the right track there. Um, but the other fun thing that happened in the middle of that is um, Gurnville went mad. He actually started in, uh, in the Elvish Vale, but uh, this time he ended up chasing you around the uh, three floors of the, of the uh, Fraser Manor and ended up with uh, Orlana sitting a unicorn on top of him. Yeah. At that point, he had gone mad. This is like his third time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was sick of it. I think we were all kind I of done with it at that point in time. Uncomfortable. I was confused. And uh, most of all, I when we like I like whenever I didn't know what was going on, I would kind of look over to you and the blank expression that you had on your face uh, gave me no hope. <laughs> Because normally when things like that happen, you have like a crafty grin on your face because you know exactly what's going on. Mm -hmm. But you were equally confused as the rest of us. And And as as we've discussed and and when we do uh, Drew's um, interview, uh, he hadn't really briefed me on this part. And so I actually had to pull him aside after the first episode. It's like, hey, if you want to do something, let me know ahead of time so I can like at least react to it properly. Yeah. Um, however, the unicorn trick, good idea. Yeah, it will it, not it just, solve the situation real fast. Yeah, <laughs> just roll that one up there. I'm like, yes, this will take care of it. Yes, it uh, will. Yeah. And, and uh, so anyways, you all had to take Creval back to his home to uh, get him cured. And that brought out his backstory. So you got to find out all about Creval. And a lot of the people were saying in the last interview that that was everybody's favorite backstory reveal. It was so cool. Yeah. What what especially um, was cool about it? Arlen's whole worldview didn't even include anything in the mountains. He expected to live near the Mare, live on the land his whole life. He knew the mountains were there. He could see them far off in the distance. And he didn't even... He heard legends of the barbarians of the mountains, but he never, he didn't, he didn't, his, his, they didn't even exist in his world. Um, And going up there and seeing their, um, their culture, their entire different ways of doing things than what he was used to. And for him, the whole, um, uh, war leader in the scarring was so out of his frame of existence. He, I, I, I was, he was stunned the whole time. Um, but eventually he, like, he got into it. And as an onlooker, as a person listening to everybody else, Owen, I, I loved the, um, how they're described as barbarians of the north, but they were still, I guess, civilized in their own way. Um, Isn't that the way and, it always is? Yeah, I, I just, I really enjoyed meeting the um, uh, meeting the dragonborn and teaching them how to make tortillas. And teaching, yeah, 
it was so much fun. I had a blast up in the mountains the first time. Very good. Um, and uh, anyway, so uh, you're able to save uh, uh, Gernval, who turned out to be Krival. Um, and uh, then he got married Col- and Cotter got married. And you went off back up in the mountains and had to find the frozen waterfall and get the uh, the uh, phylactery from there. And uh, then um, you were going back to uh, Portum Magnum and then, then after that off to Faramons. And that's when Orlana blew up. Yeah. And what was, what was your feeling there? Because that one kind of directly affected you more than anybody else. Yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting it. Um, and even though she was annoying and pestersome, um, at that point, I really did have a fondness for Orlana. Um, seeing her questioning and trying to come up with some rational answer for her, um, was really fun for me. And I tried to play Arlen's grief and what made it really really difficult was that everybody else didn't care or were absolutely delighted that she was no longer around bugging yeah so trying to trying to have that emotion that like vulnerability that we hadn't seen from Arlen up till then was like stifled by the well that's done and over with let's go to fair Mons. so i tried to it, it was just a couple seconds but um during the watch the next night um i remember that i took the last watch before everyone um got up and i um made a small shrine for orlana made out of just like sticks and stones mm-hmm. um and I um, kept a fire going there just as like a way to process the grief of losing someone that Arlen actually really cared about. Yeah. Well, and interestingly enough, this is jumping way far forward. Um, you just d- did decide to act on that. Galjabar told you that there were ways to bring people back from the dead if you had a part of them. And she left you a part of her braid mm-hmm. that actually turned out to be a magic belt that was protected you. Um, and you decided to get her resurrected at at that point, which was a, uh, it seemed like you were not going to do it. So when you finally decided to do it, I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Let me write up a, a, a episode about this real quick. The reason that I stayed off from attempting to resurrect her was, um, because Arlen thought it was um like sacred she gave him this waist length piece of her hair that he didn't want to get rid of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um can definitely understand that and also he didn't he didn't want to bring her back because he felt like it would have been selfish mm-hmm. Um, we didn't know if 
we brought her back if she would have just exploded again mm-hmm. or if she what would have happened and even though he wanted her to come back because that wasn't that wasn't a way to go that, mm-hmm. that should not have been the end of her story um he didn't want her to suffer if he did bring her back yeah very interesting so what what uh, finally clicked in your mind to actually get her resurrected and bring her back the the wild magic inside of arlen acting up and learning of um aina's explosion and just that his magic was going haywire um he i i needed to know if we brought someone back who had exploded if they were free of the wild magic that was a way to keep arlen if things did go south for him fantastic yeah um i after we finished recording one of the sessions i was talking with drew because he was um this was after he had um gained levels in cleric and really wanted to have divine help with arlen um which at the time oh still arlen didn't really want to deal with the divine that wasn't his place that wasn't how he was about um but uh because of i guess it was still grunval at the time um because of his the way that he wanted to look out for arlen um i talked about how even if they did bring me back and i had no magic i i had a place in the world i could go back to being a farmer i would leave adventuring um and i was at peace with that so i i needed to know mm-hmm. what would happen if we brought someone back fascinating well that was that was a neat episode and it turned out that yeah her wild magic was no longer a part of her and she was able to return home and return to some sort of a normal life although you, you all haven't checked in on her since then so uh um that might be we'll something have to do that, that sometime yeah it might, it might be something <laughs> to check into once uh, all is done if, if you all survive this um but anyway so then you made it off to pheromons and what did the cousin of the baron and pheromons wanted you to do protect them from but she wanted you to depose her cousin oh yeah because he, he was strange going, he was acting strange going crazy but it was kind of fun when she first suggested i remember everybody you could tell it was still a sore nerve from yeah. exculbarium Calice. everybody just hesitated yep and uh so then you you depose the the baron there turned out to the baron was what a succubus or under the no, it was a succubus um, in disguise. It was a succubus, yeah. yeah. And that was that was the best part because in in the uh, in the combat, she uh, she as yeah, as he as as the the Baron charmed you, and then you walked over to him and he planted a big old wet kiss on you. And I remember your face just going, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. face right there. Yep. And then it turned Crumpy out cat. to be a succubus. So, um, but then you um made it out of there and um, we actually got back to Lowford and uh, found that it had been half destroyed after you left and they were rebuilding it. 
Um, yeah. and, and obviously you knew about that cause you participated in the, the one off, you know, one shot of Lowford being overrun and most of your characters being killed in that the little one shot characters. Uh, and then we got to visit your family. Yeah. And that turned out to be the, like the most wholesome thing in the entire adventure, going to see Arlen's family and having buttermilk biscuits and, and, uh, gravy for breakfast the next day. Yep. And visiting his favorite cow. And unfortunately finding the grave of my sister um, yep but once again like i said the first half of this adventure everything was going to go wrong you know people you knew were going to die i mean cotter lost his brother and his father you lost your sister um yeah just uh you know down downhill all the way and until you you all were able to turn it around and then on your way down south you ran into the black dragon again and this time adri died using yep. air quotes she in, melted in in the fight um, what was your thought at the moment that, you know, we'd I'd point out that, you know, sh- you know, she takes fatal damage and her character's dead. Um, extremely concerned because, um, up until that point, the only deaths that had occurred were through chaos. Um, but this one was like direct combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah which was really scary. And as a person who only deals damage, um, I could do nothing. I was squishy in the back. I knew that if I had come up to try and help her, I would have met the same fate. And I, once again, I had to stand back and do nothing. But it all turned out to be um, all for the okay, all for the better, because uh, yeah. Cotter actually uh, intervened on her behalf with Dianek. Um And then you uh, went off to uh, an island with a giant on it that uh, was depressed, and you, you know, fought a, a beholder for a uh, another phylactery. And what happened to that phylactery? Well, uh, actually, before we get to the phylactery, mm-hmm. during the beholder fight. Arlen also true quote unquote died yes um and and actually that one was um an interesting one because yeah he got hit by the disintegration ray which uh would have been enough to kill him outright and um but then you had the um necklace wound closure and I'm like reading the periopt and I'm reading the, you know, it's like, okay, well this should kill him, but the periopt keeps him from being killed, but this should kill him. And so, you know, it's, it's sussing that out. I'm like, okay, well the periopt would keep him from dying, but this is strong enough that it would destroy the periopt at this point in time. Which is really unfortunate because I could have used it a lot for the next four years. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and then, but then your wild magic kicked in and made you invisible. So you, you could have actually expired again because yeah. you're at zero hit points. Um, and, um, but luckily Adri found you, you know, patting around like kicking me in the, kicking me in the ribs. Yeah. And, uh, but then, so yeah, so you got the phylactery from the beholder, you got it back to Kalesque and what happened there? A descended and stole it. Yes. Put us into a comatose state well he put you into the uh the uh, endless plane again for like the third time limbo yeah yeah um and the the first time you had all had to kill each other to get out and the second time you had to solve a puzzle to get out i'm just gonna mention the first time we went into limbo i have to um applaud alistair because that was great seeing bryce struggle with 
what he would do as to keep his oath Mm -hmm. was amazing yeah Um, yeah that was some good role play there because there is no way that he would kill himself um yeah, so it was even though where he we just all... walked on and on and on forever in this plane by himself with yeah. you know, time no longer me- having a meaning. Yeah. So I, I would like to applaud Bryce on that little, what, 17, 18-year-old Bryce on mm-hmm. on that role play. That was, yeah. that was very good. But what got you out of the uh, endless plane this time? The Mind Traveler. Which which was a reference to a Falconer song. So um, yes. Bryce was thrilled. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, you should all listen to Falconer. Every single song of theirs is great. Yeah. This is not a paid promotion. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, and you can base adventures on it. And that actually broke you free from the, the illusions so you wouldn't be affected by them again. Um, mm-hmm. And then you had to go, uh, although the thing was, the, the, when you woke up, the phylactery was gone. So the question is, was that the real one or did um, it all just take it to make you think it was the real one? I believe it's the real one. Okay. Um, so when do you think we're, we're just going to run into through... that one again? I think we're going to, the inevitable final fight, mm-hmm. we're going to have to, we're going to have to destroy it in front of Alowal before we can end him. Yep. Yeah, well, if it's a real one, you're going to have to, yes, or you won't be able but to. that's my theory. Yeah. Um, anyway, so then you had to go back to the uh, clouded oasis, which isn't clouded anymore. And I, I think you all later on much later on figured out that basically the phylacteries were causing the clouds were which were causing the fog which was poisoning the the valley um yes. and you end up going into adri's backstory and what, what was your thought about adri's backstory going down into the depths of the uh, underdark with the with the drow going into the underdark once again was extremely foreign arlen all his life has been around green has been around fresh air has been around wind being surrounded by rocks weird clear fish and water that may or may not be poisonous was very jarring um and then finally when we got to the drow city um i understood what my mother was talking about about the drow where the bane were the were the bad guys in in this in this world um but it turned out not all of them that were bad guys not all of them making sweeping generalizations here yes. on the whole there, there was there was an undercurrent of resistance um yes but actually as as one of the uh D authors pointed out one time with with drow i mean there are basically um you know, three three types of people in the Underdark when, when it comes to the drought. You've got the people that um, wholeheartedly, willingly go along with Loth and, and buy into her uh, her wickedness. You have the people that um, don't buy into it, but, um, you know, uh, not going to rock the boat because those people end up dead. So they just kind of go along with it to uh, in order to, to stay alive. And then you have the dead people who, you know, rebel against it. And then, you know, the Queen's guards find them out and, and they disappear in the night. And, and actually the way I got the idea for that whole society is basically, as I put in the dungeon master's notes, the, um, juntas of, of South America during the 1970s, 
uh, where, you know, one, uh, one dictator comes in and just basically starts terrorizing his own population. And uh, you just saw that happen over and over again during the 1970s in, in South America. Yep. Um, anyway, so, um, you guys made it out of there, but after, uh, after almost dying to the illithids, and that was hilarious because it turns out none of you are intelligence-based characters, and uh, that's the stat you have to do to face off against a bunch of psionic creatures. Yep. Um, Arlen has never claimed to be smart. Um, Arlen has proven again and again that he is not the smartest, um, which was really good in his favor because they didn't want to eat his brain time and time again. So... Uh, Yay for not intelligence-based. However, boo, because uh, he also failed every single saving throw <laughs> the entire time. Yeah, and, and actually even that first fight um, nearly became a TPK. Um, you, you, yeah. you, half the group was stunned half the time. and I got nervous. I got nervous again because um, we did get so low. Yeah, it, it got really close there. And then, it, it, well, I mean, you and Drew basically had to rely on all of the magic items you had left to sp- spirit you guys out of the room with the Elder Brain. And uh, that, uh, you know, was was a near thing. And you were only saved by the fact that the Mind Traveler and the rest of the Githyanki were coming into the room as you went out. Yeah, um, they were kind of mean about that, but... Um, I'm not going to hold it against them because they saved us from illusions or whatever. So, and also from the elder brain and also from the illithids and also et cetera, et cetera. So they can kind of do whatever they want, which is whatever. But then at that point in time, um, you had to go and split the party because what was happening with Arlen during this whole time? He was going critical. Wild magic was being wild. Um, yeah, so he was looked like he was uh, building up to explode. So you had to take half of the party and half of the uh, of Jade Claw's friends, and you had to go um, off to see the Sorcerers of the Shore. And you which had to... I thought was a hilarious name. Yes, that was stellar the entire time. The best part was like three people in the party got it and then had to explain it to the rest of the people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it I top tier and um so um through many misadventures finally um everybody you know you you did get the last remnants of the mad mage uh, expelled from you and uh arlen was saved which was really painful yes Uh, a lot of pain yeah and nearly killed everybody it was interesting you know that you got blasted off the top of the tower and what three out of five people were unconscious and the other two were heavily damaged and had to go around and heal everyone up before they died. Yep. But, uh, but they were successful and, uh, they gave you an interesting, um, proposition though. Yeah. Um, whenever I'm done adventuring, Arlen can choose to become one of the sorcerers of the shore. Um, there was the storm sorcerer. There was the, Draconic Sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't remember the last one. Uh, Shadow, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, they did not have a Wild Sorcerer. Nope. So there was room for one more um, one more tower there. Um, so how did how does Arlen uh, look at that particular offer? Um, 
with hesitancy. Um, at that point, he knew that he maybe would be able to become powerful enough and wise enough in his years of sorcery to um, maybe fill one of those seats. But he, at that point, um, I had no idea what Arlen's future even looked like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, neat. Uh, meanwhile, your friends were having um, nearly dying in the Excalbarium police war. Um, and uh, so um, Red Sunrise and those guys got to take a part of that. Um, and then when that was done, you were all given an interesting offer by the assembled barons. And that was that one of the, one of you needed to ascend to be the Baron of Excalbarium Calise because the royal line there at Excalbarium Calise had basically killed themselves off. Yep. Um, did Arlen ever entertain the idea of being Baron? No, I was Team Adri the entire time. <laughs> Very good. Um, I, uh, I I I gave away my spot in the ballot immediately. Arlen has no no want or need to be in political power um he's he's more of a follower mm-hmm. than an outright leader um so yeah he barony is not for not for him also so many people like looking up to you and that made arlen uncomfortable uncomfortable mm-hmm. so um anyways uh, you had uh Saved Arlen, got uh, turned down the barony, and then took off for the gnome home. Yes. And I remember you came into the first room and it said gnome land security. And, and you I just groaned and died. And, and you said, this is just going to be awful. Was it awful? It was horrible. It was painful the whole time. Every single step we took, we took a D4 of pun damage like <laughs> well the, the best part was you guys not getting the uh um joke in the uh excavation room with the uh crushatrons and drew having to explain it to everybody oh i don't remember it so the the partially fill finished large room and it had the two crushatrons a 999 and a 998 and well one was named beverly and the other one is named wesley and uh it turned out to be beverly and wesley crusher from star trek the next generation Oh, yes. Yep. 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 That was really great because it was just stunned silences. No one could figure it out. And then all of a sudden, Drew just says, You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> yep. One of the crowning achievements in that entire thing. Um, and then you uh, left the no home and got to the Vale of the Pegasus. Which I. I was really excited for Pegasus, but this was um, a funny inside joke that we got to perform which mm-hmm. was great um yeah and then I, I, I enjoyed the pegasus excellent and uh then uh you made it up to the cloud giants castle and how did that go everything went wrong and actually mainly went wrong with whom um no one arlen Ar- and arlen yeah so it, it was it was um i had great ideas Yes. Okay, I had really good ideas. It was, and it was great the execution of those ideas that went wrong because you See, know, you tried to bluff your way in, and you made the critical role that failed the uh, See, the bluff to get in. See, Arlen can come up with great ideas. Arlen can even execute great ideas sometimes. Um, 
impersonating people that he's afraid of and also doesn't know how to act like um not great and it showed but yeah, yeah. It, it, it's as uh drew said it's you know just the case where the dice gods just decided to smack you down and it was hilarious because like you guys would get going and all of a sudden it's like and you have to make this roll and it's a five not one you know it's a two and so yeah i mean the two big ones were uh going in where arlen failed his deception roll and so did not carry himself off like a uh a uh lich evil lich and uh alerted the guards to hey something's not right here um even though the major domo didn't catch on to it and that's why they had guards on your corridor just waiting for you to come out of your room in the middle of the night because obviously you were spies and you were going to sneak out in the middle of the night. Um, and then also then when you tried to sneak back out, Arlen tripping over Jade Claw and, and uh, you know, screwing up the, the sneak out part. That, those, Not those, my finest those two achievements. Roles. Yeah, that made um. things quite interesting. <laughs> but the big thing that happened, obviously, in that castle was Noan's backstory came out. And what, kind of. what was your feeling there? I mean, he's been talking about his dad being this big, bad demon this whole time. Um, and like I said, I, I wrote up his backstory reveal when he gave me his backstory six years ago. And, you know, every time he was talking about how his, his dad was Asmodeus, it's like, oh, this is just he's just digging a bigger hole. I feel so bad. Um, and so now I'm, I'm glad that we can joke around like, oh, Asmodeus was pretty weak. Yeah. Turns out he's just a middle manager trying to get a, a bump up in the hierarchy. Yeah. Um, seeing how um, no one had changed from the beginning um, to fighting his own father um, was really great um, to see that like he was going to stand up for the rest of the group and stand up to this infinitely more powerful entity so i was um, pretty proud of no one at the time oh good yeah he, he his has been a, a more interesting uh more interesting journey that he's been on there and oh and actually we did skip over one phylactery though when you're up at the gnome home uh that's where the red dragon was <laughs> that was just fun i had a great time now when you were escaping um, and everyone was hiding outside in the boulder field and it was clear that you had biffed your, uh, stealth roll. Uh, what did you think was going to happen when the dragon's shadow covered everybody? I was going to die. And then it turned out to be Loquox. Loquox. Yes. Yeah. Coming, coming to save you. Yep. Anyway. So, um, yeah, no one's backstory comes out and then you all made it out of there in the nick of time and um then had to go find a way to the underworld because that uh is obviously where the last of the phylacteries on the poem is located and um you end up being summoned by galchabar to the tabaxi treehouse finally finally you, you saved it in like the first you know six episodes or whatever it was. And it took you the entire time to not go there. Yep. And uh, then we go off to your adventure in the floating ziggurat. And that's where we are now. So uh, one fight away. We're literally steps away from the staff finishing. Yeah. 
we just had all sorts of stuff get in the way in the meanwhile so yeah um so hopefully hopefully the next couple of uh sessions we'll be able to sit down and finish that one up because yes we've 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 resolved one cliffhanger we just have the other one yes (laughs) anyway so um yeah so what do you think's coming up next and and what's your Mm. thoughts on the five years that we've uh, all been together here um i'm i can i i can see the light at the end of the tunnel I'm really excited to um, see the very end of this campaign. Um, I'm really happy with how it's gone. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm just so happy that we've been able to do this for five years straight. Mm-hmm. Um, the pandemic getting in the way us troubleshooting how to play through the pandemic. I know that at the the beginning, we saw so many other larger podcasts wink out, mm-hmm. just not continue. Um, and even though we might not have gained like an enormous following throughout these five years, um, I've just had really fun. Um, there's a ton of really big podcasts um, put on by um, really big um, gaming companies, people that do D&D stuff for a living and we're able to do it because we like to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We started five years ago with a single microphone in the middle of a table. Yep. Um, and now I'm sitting what 70 miles away Bryce is sitting over 200 miles away and we have really good microphones we have an audio board we have a section of our house set up so that we can all record together um I I've just really loved this experience I've gotten so much better I don't say you can be good at D, but i've gotten so much better at being comfortable with D. Mm-hmm. i've introduced my friends um i'm i'm dming a game right now um which is going pretty pretty well um we've made countless characters together i've gotten i've gotten them hooked uh and i don't think that would have happened if it wasn't for this podcast so i'm really happy with what we've done and i'm really happy uh, really excited to see what we've got going for the next year yeah well you know and uh that's probably the best place to stop right there i can't think we say anything more and so i guess uh, what's going to happen in the next year we're just gonna have to wait for the next episode to find out